All right, we're done with uh, racket sports and combat sports. Uh, Richard, let's turn our attention to team sports, which we saw Singapore compete in close to 12 disciplines. Let's try to briefly touch on each of them, starting with netball. And for the second straight games, unfortunately, we saw a women's team being forced to settle for the silver medal. That's after losing to Malaysia again in the finals. The last time we won gold was four years ago. And Charmaine So, the captain, today is the only sole surviving member of the squad. Do you reckon the transition of the entire team in the last four years has led to the inability to be number one in the region again, Richard? Okay, um, well in 2017 they lost to Malaysia in the final. Yeah. And it was quite a wide margin. Mm. Right? So um, there was uh, quite a lot of renewal in the team and it was taking time to settle them. They've narrowed that margin. Yeah. Uh, I think they've had some uh, challenging uh, games against Malaysia, which is good because it's helping to raise the standards of our team. Uh, they've gone through transition, they've gone through renewal, uh, and, but they've gone through it in a very smooth way. Uh, I take my hat off to them for that. Whilst it wasn't the gold that we all hoped for, uh, they came away with very credible uh, performance. And I think we've got to look at the, uh, the, the, the nature of the performance, which is that they closed the gap. And so we're overall pleased with the way things are going. We know there's more in them. Yeah. Uh, as you said, they've gone through a com almost complete team renewal, yeah. uh, which bodes well for the future. Okay. All right, let's get a quick word from our coach, Natalie Milicic, after that heartbreaking loss to Malaysia in the grand final. Look, I think that we really showed a lot of courage today. I think that we started the match very, very well. And I think, you know, that some of our young players really stood up to the physicality. So I'm very, very proud of the overall result. Okay. And uh, now summing up, I mean, this is two years. I mean, it's been two years in the working. Uh, how would you sum up this entire campaign, Sea Games campaign? Yeah, look, I think what's been really important is that we've built some depth within the squad. I think that, you know, losing Kimberly was a really big loss for us because she was a very key player. So some of these young players have really had the opportunity to show what they're capable of and I think they'll all be a lot stronger for it when they actually compete in a couple of years' time. Final question, what's next for the team? Uh, so next for the team, the big event is uh, they've got Asian Championships next year. So uh, they will go back now and concentrate though on their NSL uh, time, you know, with their club teams, and then they'll they'll start building on to the Asian Champs, which is mid next year. And that was Coach Natalie, and uh, we just heard last week that it was announced that Coach Natalie has stepped down from her post after two years, and she's returning to New Zealand to spend more time with her four children. She's been away for quite a long time, so we wish Coach Natalie Milicic the very best uh, with the family back in New Zealand. All right, Richard, uh, let's touch briefly on floorball. And the women's team were able to defend their gold medal from 2015, but our men's team finished second. Did SSI project for both teams to win in the Philippines? And what's your take on the men's silver medal finish? Okay, uh, actually in our simulations beforehand, we anticipated that women would do well. Yeah. And again, we hoped for the gold medal. They delivered that. Uh, not only did they deliver that, they backed it up at the World Championships. So they went straight from the SEA Games and they've improved their ranking in the world uh, by coming, uh, going to the World Championships, playing for the 11th to 12th playoff. Yeah, they, they arrived uh, in Singapore, 24 hours later they left for the World Championships. That's correct. So, you know, it's a tough old schedule, uh, but they performed really, really well. Uh, the men, uh, we didn't actually project them to win a gold medal. We hoped that they would. Okay. Uh, so they performed at the, at the level that we thought. We knew the ties were going to be tough. 
but to lose in the uh, in, in in essence a draw mm. and then penalties uh, was disappointing. Mm. Disappointing not because we think they underperformed, but disappointing because it was so close. Mm. Um, you know, I remember sitting watching them. Uh, there were five five eight up, mm. and they they the ties managed to pull back from them. Um, which was a real shame because then the ties had the momentum going into uh, the penalty shootout and right. we just lost out on the penalty shootout. Mm. It could easily have been a gold medal. And that sport, it's on a knife edge. That yeah. sport, we just didn't deliver this time around. Mm. Uh, but I thought they performed credibly. I thought their performance was up to standard. Uh, they were within a whisker. Well, Flaubert was missing two years ago in KL. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's hope Vietnam, when they hosted in 2021, uh, they'll have floorball as well. So from floorball, we transition to football. Buni. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was never, never going to be easy for under-22s to compete in the group of death. Uh, they, they went four games without scoring a single goal. That set a new record of sorts. Uh, before finding the net seven times in their final group match against Brunei, was coach Fandi Ahmad right in saying that unlike the other countries, he's unable to groom and train one team for a period of four to six years solid, especially with the need to study, to work, uh, national service. Bunyi, are those the real issues of the disappointing run this time around? I think we can all appreciate what coach Fandi has to deal with in terms of the um, challenges yeah. relative to what other nations and CEMs have to, have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so you no know, school studies, national service, part and parcel, right? But it's not unique to football. So our swimmers have to deal with the same issues. Everyone, right? Lokin Yu, badminton, completed his uh, national service last year and went on to uh, represent us and, yep. and did well this time around. Mm. Um, I think for, for team sport, um, like football, which is very competitive at, at the, in the Southeast Asia level, uh, we really need to look at um, building up a system, building up a system, a youth development system that can um, create and communicate a very clear pathway to all the athletes, the young athletes and their parents yeah. to commit to um, pursuing uh, the sport in, uh, to, to that level. Yeah. And I think if we, if we can uh, get that uh, sorted out, I think let's continue to be work in progress, it will take time, yeah. uh, then uh, we could we could continue to be, we would then be able to be more competitive at this level. And I mean, the other countries, Cambodia beat Malaysia yeah. and, yeah. you know, Cambodia Laos, went to the semi-final. Yes, yeah. yes. Laos, Myanmar, they, they have all uh, brought the game up to a, to a different level. So yeah. uh, it will continue to be challenging, but well, we, sh we should take all those challenges in our stride and, yeah. and um, deal with it at a system level. Well, I believe Vietnam went on to win the, the final and uh, it was their first gold medal in football in close to three decades. Uh, prior to the final, of course, Singapore met Vietnam uh, in their third group match. Let's hear from Coach Fandi after that heartbreaking loss to Vietnam, to Vietnam when they scored in the 85th minute of the game. No, I'm happy about the performance. The result could be gone either way or a draw would be happy for us because I thought we did very well. We did enough to stop them from scoring and uh, we knew we came here because it's a, a, you know, a burden, we haven't scored any goals, so a pressure for us, but to get a point is more important, so we are very happy with the performance, but not the result, yeah. Finding, finding the right players, because I told you, they never train together most times, you know, it's not easy, 
Some teams they've been together for years. We every year we have to change teams. You know this. You can write it there. Because we never had a team to keep for two years, three years. Every year is a change. I hope so. Because if not, we will go every year. We cannot have the same team. Now, after this, you know where they go. I won't tell you. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Well, still on football, and we have to address the elephant in the room uh, and the entire fiasco of nine players breaking curfew while the tournament is still ongoing and apparently sneaking out to a casino. So, Bunyi, how should the SNOC or the FAS approach this issue and send a clear signal to all national athletes regarding the core values of the code of conduct which they all swore to uphold before leaving for the SEA Games? Uh, there's no two ways about it. I think um, responsibility and accountability have to be demanded uh, through, through a proper process, of course. Um, but like you say, set the, send a very clear message that we require all our national athletes when they put on our the national jersey to, mm. to represent us, to uh, hold themselves up, to fly our flag. Uh, and in, in high performance sports in, at, th at this level, uh, what goes on outside the competitive field usually determines what goes on inside on yeah. the field. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if we are not able to uh, establish the basic uh, discipline, um, the basic uh, attitude towards uh, pursuit of sport, then uh, chances are we will not be able to, to deliver. Yeah. Um, the team did go on to do better in the subsequent matches. Because yeah. uh, that was the time they went out after the 3-0 the yes. loss to Thailand. Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they went out no matter what. Yeah. 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 It's not, <laughs> nothing to do with <laughs> I think yeah, the, yeah. the loss. And, and so there's, there's, there should be no excuse. Mm. Uh, and I, I will say that in the entire ecosystem, coaches need to be able to establish those values and culture uh, well, mm. uh, all the way. Mm. And uh, by the time a, a player reaches the national level, I, don't, I think that must be assumed to be given. Yeah. Okay. Can, can I just come in here? Sure. Because I think for me, uh, in performance sport, uh, there are many variables that you can't control. And there are many variables that you can control. Right? So you try and control the controllables, the variables that you're in control of. And I think behaviour is one of those variables that you're in control of. And I think for me, that was the most disappointing thing of this. Mm -hmm. This was one of the variables that they could control themselves, and I feel that they let themselves down. Just straight up, if they had just kept quiet, and then they went for the final game, they won 7 nil. they didn't finish last in the group, so that means the campaign is over against Brunei. Mm -hmm. If they had gone out on that night after the game, would it have been an issue? Uh, yes, I think it would, because, it because, because it's your behaviour within the competition. You're still bound by the uh, athlete agreement right. that you have signed, uh, and you have signed knowing up front that there is a certain standard of behaviour expected of you, mm. and that you have agreed to comply with that. Mm. Okay. Wouldn't you? Yeah? Yep, I Same. agree. Okay. okay, so moving from football to an unexpected goal, Richard, in the sport of softball and our men's team beat the Filipinos twice en route to the goal, why is their winning moment special and significant so much so that even Prime Minister Lee Sen Lung you know, featured them on his own Facebook page uh, last week? Okay, why is it so significant was the first one. And I think it's significant because uh, of the dominance of the Philippines. Right. So uh, the softball competition has been held 10 times. Philippines have only lost twice, mm. right? So that's that's huge. 
uh, against the Philippines on their home ground. I think that's a tremendous story. And then when you start digging into the team, there's all sorts of uh, smaller stories that go to make up the bigger narrative. Um, I think, uh, was it a surprise to us? Yes, it was. However, were there indications that they could do it? Absolutely there were. You know, I've, I've, I've read some pieces around uh, we should be better informed. Well, we were well informed. We knew that they'd beaten them at the World Championships. Mm -hmm. That We knew that they'd placed higher than them at the World Championships. And that we knew that we should watch out for them. The thing that's in the back of your mind is, whilst they beat the Philippines at the last World Championships, they've never done it in the Sea Games. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was particularly pleasing is, uh, actually they got heavily beaten in the preliminary rounds. Right. I think it was 8-0. Mm -hmm. And they came back in the uh, semi-finals, uh, they beat the Philippines, and then the Philippines, because of the nature of the competition, got a second bite of the cherry, yeah. and they went on and beat them again. So it was pretty conclusive. Uh, and they cemented that it, what, they showed absolutely that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, I love the story around what the coach and team manager have been saying about, no, this was a planned approach. Yeah, uh, yeah fantastic, uh, but you, must have hoped that you're going to get the right outcome. Yeah. And hey, they did. They did, yeah. Good for them. Kudos, kudos to uh, our softball team. Well done. Uh, we have time to touch on one more team sport, that is men's basketball. We finished in fifth place in Manila due to an unexpected loss to Vietnam, who apparently had seven foreign talents in their squad this time around, and they caught our team by surprise. That is, that is what the team, when we spoke to them, that was their, their admission. But the Filipinos who won the Sea Games goal in 19 out of 21 editions, what are they doing which we are still lacking in men's basketball despite the presence of several national players featuring for the professional Singapore Slingers franchise in the ABL season? Okay, I think there's two things here. Um, one is about ourselves. I think that uh, we need to work a little bit harder about getting better synergy within basketball within Singapore. Uh, we've got a fantastic uh, pro basketball team in the Slingers. I think we've got to look at how we get better synergy between the Slingers and the national team. Mm. Uh, the second is actually something that's outside of our control, which is uh, the, the Filipinos uh, allow dual passport. Oh, so they draw yeah. very heavily upon um, players that come from America mm. who have a Philippine background, either through birth or through parentage and that allows them to bring people in and clearly Vietnam uh, are doing something similar. Yeah. Uh, our system doesn't allow that, okay? We accept that. Yeah. So we've got to focus upon what we can uh, do better, which is the domestic situation, making sure there's alignment between the National League here, between the Slingers and between the national team. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to work a little bit harder at that. Okay. Buni, let's address winter sports next as Cheyenne Go and Chloe Ng dominated the headlines with their sizzling cool performances. Uh, Cheyenne won three gold medals while Chloe added a fourth goal. So this was in the sporting discipline of ice skating. Hence Buni did CISA, which is the governing body of uh, ice sports. I mean, CISA is in Singapore's Ice Skating Association. Did they play their cards right this time around? Fantastic result from Singapore. And it's a little tropical nation mm. with only one <laughs> Olympic size ice ring, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, our, um, the, the two ladies, uh, they do train abroad and they have access to um, very high quality uh, coaching as well as uh, facilities. Mm. Um, 
but I think for for CISA, um, the the key is really to continue to bring in more young athletes into the sport, uh, leveraging on our our high string, um, to uh, so that more the pipeline can be created uh, and we can sustain our performance uh, over time. Okay. Uh, talking about the ice, uh, we also saw our men's high ice hockey team clinch the silver medal in only their second games appearance ever without and without a purpose-built ice ring for them to train and compete in Singapore. I mean, purpose-built as in just for the national athletes. Were you surprised to see them on the podium standings, the men's ice hockey team? I wasn't surprised to see them on the podium. I was surprised to... Uh, a little bit surprised by the silver medal. I think um, they, they, they beat the Filipinos on their home ground mm. in a very close encounter yeah. uh, in the semi-finals and uh, earned their spot in, mm. in the finals. And of course, the Thais are just one, 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 class, yeah, one yeah. class above us. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, it shows that you don't need a purpose-built ice ring to do well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> right. Of course, you know. Um, but I, I think the key point is that um, we we don't we don't re- really dis- we don't decide on uh, capital investment in in terms of sporting facilities just by looking at the performance at, uh, in, in 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 the games, right? Otherwise, uh, when the sport doesn't do well, we take back the facility. The facility yeah. yeah. So um, uh, I I think that my, my message to them would be uh, continue to uh, in, uh, interest more people in, into this sport. Uh, t- today it is still a very much uh, niche sport in Singapore, mm. uh, and as more people uh, participate in this sport, I think um, the, it will it will grow on its own. So even though ice skating athletes and you know they all delivered four gold medals. You don't think it's enough of a reason for Sports Singapore to now consider building a purpose-built ice ring instead of our athletes having to fight for time. I mean, I know the ice hockey fellas, they train at 1am in the morning after work, they go back home, get dinner and they come and train at 1-2am in the morning because they cannot compete on the ring when the public is playing at uh, JQ. So do you think it's about time, 2020, we start thinking of building an ice ring for the national I think those considerations are always uh, reviewed, right? As, as we consider our investment in uh, public uh, mm. sporting facilities, yeah. um, and it doesn't just apply to ice ring; applies across across the board. Sure. Uh, right now, it, we have to uh, find a financially sustainable model, model. right? For that to happen, um, otherwise, it's uh, taxpayer money mm. being spent on on such uh, facilities. Yeah. So, like I said, in a continued long term development of a sport uh, would obviously be uh, positive for the growth of the sport and that would definitely have impact on decisions regarding investment in facilities. Okay, we are more than halfway through this uh, SEA Games review show. So we now turn the focus to new sports and we saw the debut of uh, eSports breakdancing or breaking Mm -hmm. followed by underwater hockey and even surfing. So let's touch on dance sport which is making its comeback at the Games uh, since 2007 this time. They included the new discipline of breaking or break dancing for those of us who were in the 80s as a kid. Uh, <laughs> which we, we saw Jeremy Sim win a bronze medal. Richard, how significant is his third place finish? And what about the Theo siblings in Rachel and Jerome who won one silver and two bronze medals on the same day in the waltz and Latin American format? Okay, I, I think time will tell how significant the result is. Um, I uh, thought it was a fantastic result. Uh, I thought particularly in uh, 
the, um, the, the, the waltz, mm-hmm. where I think they won the silver. Um, I, I take my hat off to them because uh, this was the real strength for the Filipinos. They mm-hmm. took 10 of the 13 gold medals. Yeah, well, I think Vietnam took two and I think Malaysia took uh, the final gold medal. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, concentrated very much upon the strength of the Filipinos. Uh, in terms of moving things along. Uh, Breakdancing or breaking is, uh, I think, going to be significant. I think they're looking at it for 2024 Olympic Games. Mm. Uh, I think they'll they'll, uh, need to look perhaps at some of the format and how they get away from some of the subjective judging. I know there's some sports like gymnastics and boxing where there's a degree of subjectivity. Uh, I think it's uh, they need to look at the format, uh, but it's great that it was held in the Sea Games, and it's even better that we win a medal. Staying with the the debut sports element and underwater hockey, I mean, who would have imagined Singapore to make a clean sweep of all four gold medals on on offer, Richard? Oh, uh, terrific! I mean, it's it's one of these things that is very difficult to anticipate beforehand. Uh, clearly, if uh, Philippines includes underwater hockey. For the first time ever in their program, yeah. uh, they they have a strong belief that they're going to win gold medals mm. in there. Mm. Uh, to go there and win all four is a bit of a dream come true. Um, but I think it's um, actually Singapore's a bit of an aquatic nation, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and we've got um, lots of raw talent that's there. People that are used to being in around the water. Mm. We're a small island nation, and so putting a team together. Uh, had obviously hasn't been too difficult mm. and I thought they went there and performed brilliantly. Yeah, I believe there was a 50-year-old uh, player who competed yeah. at the SEA Games in a different Chris sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she that was 30 years ago and she... Well, she medaled as a 12-year-old uh, yes. in yeah. the SEA yeah. Games in swimming. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah. what a great story. And then the men's team, you had Jonathan Chan, the team captain, who was a former water polo player. Yeah. And then he's coming back and you know, he won a gold medal as well. I, th- I think, I mean, the message is that if you learn to swim, it's, it's one of these life skills that never goes away. Yeah. Right? So you're, 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 um, you're, you're protecting your children mm. if you get them to swim early. Mm. But not only are you protecting your children, you're giving them a whole raft of opportunities further down in, in areas that you didn't even imagine. You know, it might be canoeing, it might be rowing, it might be sailing, it might be swimming, anything to do with the water. You know, you're giving your kids a life skill that right. they can take forward, and they proven it. Yeah. Or go on to win gold medals That's in jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's hear now from underwater underwater hockey, the women's team captain, as well as the men's national coach David Lambert. The Filipinos play really well, and I think they pick up their game and put on a great great challenge for us. And our girls stepped up, although it was uh, 4-2. It only proved to say that we can only be better, both teams. So I would say that it was a great competition for both teams and a great win for both teams. Well, it's just uh, it's the fourth dimension. You got, you got to hold your breath and play. And next time you're out playing soccer or basketball, try holding your breath. That's what these guys have to train for. They have to train with oxygen de- depletion and they have to actually play hard. Yeah. Okay, the, four, the 4v4 is done. We've got an, another one that's coming up. Yeah, the 6-on-6, six six, that's going to be just as tough. As you saw, this complex is just fantastic. Uh, my hat off to Dennis and his uh, crew in the Philippines group who actually put a spectacular uh, venue together for us to play and I'm looking forward to the 6-on-6 six six and hopefully a podium finish for us there. Okay, awesome. 
So Bunyi, with four gold medals, do you reckon the sport will be hosted at the next SEA Games in Hanoi in 2021? If not, then should the NSA continue to fight for more recognition, funding and for facilities for the sport to continue to evolve here? First, I'm not sure whether the next time Philippines host SEA Games, whether they will now include, they will then Hanoi. include. Okay, yeah, yeah, but oh. the next time Philippines oh, oh, host, yeah, yeah. Okay. since they miscalculated right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this time round. <laughs> Yeah, clean sweet. Sometimes not a, not a very good idea. <laughs> well, just joking. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Hanoi did not feel uh, a team, but um, Vietnam did not feel a team. Um, so uh, I'm not hopeful that uh, Vietnam would uh, organize underwater hockey. It doesn't require new facilities. You're just exist using an existing swimming pool, and then you sure. Know. Yeah. So of course. <laughs> but uh, so I I'm not hopeful that the, the, that there will be this sport again in yeah. the, in the next um, Sea Games. But nevertheless, I think it's a very niche sport, um, like several others in in mm. the Sea Games. Mm. Uh, and the message to the community is that uh, continue to bring more uh, folks into your sport. Mm. Uh, leading up to these Sea Games, we we had helped the team. Uh, ensure that they have access to uh, facilities. So they were training in Queenstown for a while, and then they move on to train in a sports school. Mm. Um, and I and and I, I think I think uh, they they carried themselves uh, very well. Uh, yeah, four okay. four gold medals. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was there for two of them. Yeah, it just it was just mind blowing. And and looking at the team support there as well, yes. the family members who supported them throughout the campaign. Yeah. And they even flew back to Singapore ahead of the team's arrival, and they were there at Changi Airport to welcome them yeah. as well. So very nice. Now, now that half of Singapore know that there is a sport called underwater hockey, yeah. we have to teach Singaporeans what underwater hockey is. Yeah. Because a lot of people still don't know what goes on underwater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a difficult sport to film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, we, I was, me and my colleague uh, Gary, we were there two meters away from the pool and we were like, we were just filming whatever that was above uh, the water. Yeah. And then luckily we had the privilege of uh, uh, utilizing the underwater footage provided oh, by the organizers. Yeah. But it's a very very athletic um, sport. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of teamwork, takes a lot of uh, well, um, uh, physical uh, uh, abilities, yeah. right? Mm. Um, being able to uh, rotate in terms of coming up to the surface for air and mm. get, get, the, get the job done mm. underneath. And when they won, you could see the raw emotions of uh, our, our players, both the men and the women. It just shows the years of preparation and dedication for the sport, which was a relative yes. unknown yeah. right until maybe one or two months before right. the SEA Games. Yeah. And, and the, the number of friends and family who were there to support them. Exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. Good. 